Repentance changes everything, even the nature of and sometimes the date with death. Hebrews tells us that we all have a date with death. Hebrews 9.27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. The imperial city of Nineveh was slated for God's judgment. Jonah 3 verse 4 And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The city of Nineveh and its king repented of their sins. Jonah chapter 3, 5 through 10. Repentance changed the death sentence of Nineveh, a city of 120,000 people. Through his prophet Isaiah, God told Hezekiah, king of Judah, to set his house in order, for his death was imminent. 2 Kings 20, verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. King Hezekiah cried out unto God and was granted fifteen more years. Second Kings 20, verse 6. Repentance and turning from one's sins and crying out unto God changes things, sometimes even hard appointments. When one repents and turns his or her life over to Christ Jesus, everything changes. That one has been born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God. At born again, birth dates and death dates change. Everything becomes new. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Dear visitor, have you yet to be born again? Listen to what Jesus has to say about it in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Today, your eternal soul is in your very own hand. A decision is required from you, not from your mother or your father or your spouse or your friend, from you. Joel chapter 3, verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt, and if you follow from your heart, everything will begin anew for you. Today, all your sin and your shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, you will become a new creature in Christ. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the bright and shining kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1, 26 through 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God said, Genesis 9, 18 and 19, And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. 
These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. God said, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Man said, They say we're on the verge of living forever, and that's without God and his Bible. I just hope I can get a great paying job with lots of vacation and benefits. I mean, I'll need a high paycheck if I'm going to live forever in luxury, don't you think? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1,166, that will once again certify the supernatural inerrancy of God's written word. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to be used as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Big, bold claims are made in the Holy Bible, and every one of them challenged relentlessly, starting in Eden and continuing to this very day. Relax, children of faith, for their newest and latest will only continue to confirm the beautiful book. In the Undeniable Proof Every Jot and Every Tittle series, we have already published 390 marvelous proofs that God is. Following, you will find proofs 391 to 395. Undeniable Proof number 391. We are not just the most advanced of the animals, as evolution's foolishness would put upon us. We are not animals. We are made in the very image and likeness of God. And that's just one of the reasons you can eat a hamburger, but not a man-burger. Genesis 9, 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Nearly all the proofs in this series have been published before on God Said, Man Said. and this series, these proofs are gathered together in abbreviated form. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Bizarre 180. It used to be said that man only uses 10% of his brain, but now science has come to the conclusion that we only use a fraction of a fraction of our mental capacity and that our brains have infinite capability. This would surely sound like braggadocio if we didn't know that God made us in his own likeness, in his own image. Between our ears, we have a godlike brain and consequently the unfathomable capacity. Surely the ground between the human ears is the universe's most underdeveloped resource. In his book, The G.O.D. Experiments, Dr. Schwartz has now come to the revelation that the brain is bigger than the universe. The following paragraphs are from his book. Before we can appreciate the extraordinary capacity of the mind to guide, 
organize, and design, we must come to understand the profound potential of the mind to envision and imagine. The capacity of the human mind to envision its apparent infinite potential is as vast as the universe itself. Moreover, the mind is ultimately beyond anything we have yet witnessed in the physical universe. The mind's inherent potential not only goes beyond anything it has seen to date in the physical world, its potential goes beyond anything it can currently imagine. It can even be demonstrated through simple experiments that your mind's potential is bigger, in fact, much bigger than the universe itself. The truth is, no one knows what the actual potential of the mind is because whatever greatness we have already achieved as a species suggests that there is no apparent limitation to the mind's ultimate potential, end of quote. In an October 2009 issue of Discover under the title Thinking Machine, prominent Stanford University scientist Guabina Bowen was quoted. The following excerpts are from that article. The human brain runs on only about 20 watts of power, equal to the dim light behind the pickle jar in your refrigerator. By contrast, the computer on your desk consumes a million times as much energy per calculation. If you wanted to build a robot with a processor as smart as the human brain, it would require 10 to 20 megawatts of electricity. 10 megawatts is a small hydroelectric plant, Bowen says dismissively, we should work on miniaturizing hydroelectric plants so we can put them on the backs of robots. You would encounter similar problems if you tried to build a medical implant to replace just 1% of the neurons in the brain for use in stroke patients. That implant would consume as much electricity as 200 households and dissipate as much heat as the engine in a Porsche Boxster End of quote. Imagine this now. Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Undeniable proof number 392. Does all creation sing? First Chronicles 16, verse 23, and then 31 through 33. Sing unto the Lord all the earth, Show forth from day to day his salvation. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. And let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice, and all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the woods sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. Psalm 96.1 Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. The idea that all creation sings was once roundly ridiculed as Sunday school gibberish, but not so much anymore. Now the science of bioacoustics has its own understanding. Earlier in this series, you read about the great whale choir. A few foundational excerpts follow before we head on to more staggering proof that God's word is true and righteous altogether. God said, man, said feature. God's word vindicated again. Musicality is built in. Here we go. All of creation sings literally. Consider these paragraphs from the September 2016 issue of Acts and Facts. Hearing is beautifully represented in the animal world. 
experts say, fin whales can hear the bleeps of other fin whales for more than 500 miles away. Some scientists even claim their hearing range is thousands of miles. Humpback whales are famous for singing songs that can last up to 30 minutes. They sing in rhyme, and the songs can be heard by other male whales. It's passed along the water so that an entire ocean may have all the humpback whales singing the exact same song at the exact same time, a kind of great whale choir, end of quote. Why is there the phenomenon of song and music? It transcends every nationality line, and for that matter, all of creation. It exists because it is part of the spiritual construction of all life, and all of God's creation is designed to harmonize with it. Within music is found great benefit to all of life, and God invests much instruction time in our owner's manual, the Holy Bible. The headline of the September 2018 feature of Discover magazine reads, Hearing Nemo, and the subhead reads, How Scientists Discovered a Symphony Under the Sea. A few excerpts follow. These habitat soundscapes are subtly composed. Recent studies are revealing that far from this being an impromptu free-for-all, fish don't simply yell and shout however and whenever they want. They fit their voices together like an orchestra of instruments and a melodic musical score. End of quote. Short paragraphs, sentences, and phrases from Dr. Bacher's book, The Sounds of Life, spotlight how today's science of bioacoustics reveals the marvels of God's singing creation. At first, the statement selected will certainly appear somewhat disjointed from the overall purpose of the doctor's narrative, but for the purpose of this feature, it will be apparent. The following statements were lifted from The Sounds of Life. Page 16. Eventually, Navy researchers realized that these monstrous cries were the distinctive sounds of whales. Diving into the ocean, the whales were communicating with one another along the Sofar Channel, where their songs traveled unimpeded across hundreds and even thousands of miles. The whales had long ago perfected what the military had only just discovered. Page 21. The male songs... Katie Payne realized, were as complex as an intricate piece of music. Page 23. Decades after Katie's discoveries, song transmission among humpback whales is now accepted as evidence of the planetary scale of humpback whale social interactions, vocal learning, and cultural evolution. A song originating in one part of the Pacific can gradually spread to other humpback populations across the entire ocean basin. Page 63. When you lower the hydrophone into the ocean, it's a complete cacophony of voices and singers. It's like the twilight zone, a completely different world. Page 84. Healthy coral reefs, Tim Gordon knew, are lively with sound. The unfolding waves of sound are like an underwater orchestra or the endless improvision of a jazz band. On the Great Barrier Reef, the humpback whales sing the soprano melody. Fish supply the chorus. Whooping clownfish, grunting cod, and crunching parrotfish. Sea urchins scrape, resonating like tubas. 
percussion is the domain of chattering dolphins and clacking shrimp who use their pincers to create bubbles that explode with a loud bang. Lobsters rasp their antenna on their shells like washboards. Rainfall, wind, and waves provide the backbeat. To get the best seat, you would have to attend the concert in the middle of the night at a full moon when fish coursing typically crest. But you wouldn't necessarily need to have a front row seat. Mass fish courses can be heard up to 50 miles away, and the whale sounds resonate for hundreds of miles. Page 120. Professor, uh, Professor George Pierce, an early pioneer in communications engineering, led research into decoding the sounds of insects, becoming one of the world's first bioacousticians. The implications of Pierce's research would not be widely understood until many years later. Yet in the end of his life, Pierce displayed a keen sense of the future relevance of his work. His final book, The Songs of Insects, focused on his work with crickets and grasshoppers rather than summing up his influential career in wireless communications, end of quotes. Uh, you bet, all creation sings just like your Bible says. Undeniable proof. Number 393, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega, which are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, and he is every letter, word, sentence, and phrase in between. In Revelation 19, 13, his name is given as the Word of God. All the words in the human lexicon are formed in and revolve around Jesus Christ, every single one of them, because this pleases the Father. Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Every word ever spoken is pro-Christ or anti-Christ. Words true and good are pro-Christ. Words false and evil are anti-Christ. Every book ever written must genuflect before the Holy Bible, before the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is not optional. All will bow because this pleases the Father. Watch the word play in these handful of examples. Universe equals universe. Just one verse, just a grouping of words like Psalms 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Atonement can be said at one moment, Romans 5.11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and makes us one with the Father through the Son, John 17.20-26. Atonement, yes, at one moment. The biblical holy day, it becomes our holiday. Goodbye is a contraction of the phrase, God be with you. After the fall of man, God's blessing was found in blood atonement, Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. The blessing of man can only be found in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind as you read the following from the Oxford English Dictionary under the heading of Bless. The etymological meaning was thus to mark or affect in some way with blood or sacrifice, 
to consecrate. Again, from the Oxford Dictionary under the heading of bliss. Original meaning, to make sacred or holy with blood, to consecrate by some sacrificial rite, which was held to render a thing inviolable from profane use of men and evil influence of men or demons. The streaking of the lintel and doorpost with blood, Exodus 13.23, to mark them as holy to the Lord and inviolable by the destroying angel, was apparently the kind of idea expressed by Bledson in pre-Christian times. Also, the history of the Latin words, consecrates, or a sacrificium, hence in historical use, to make sacred, consecrate, hallow, end of quote. When I say God bless you to someone, I am saying, may you be covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the shed blood on Calvary that makes all blessing possible. Yes, Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. Undeniable proof number 394. Genesis 9, 18 and 19. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Headline, February 8, 2016. Ancient Patriarchs, WordPress.com reads, China's mythology clarified by my old legend confirms Noah's flood history. Excerpts follow. Like the Chinese, the Mao are yet another ancient nation that remembers some of their earliest patriarchs. Not just that, but they possess surprisingly accurate recollections of the creation, the flood, and even the Tower of Babel and its confusion of languages. Many of the finer details of their accounts coincide almost identically with the biblical record in Moses' book of Genesis. They were found to already possess this knowledge, in the form of ancient couplets, when they encountered Western missionaries for the first time. The oral traditions in which the descent of the male was preserved owe their purity to the fact that they have been recited faithfully and in full at funerals, weddings, and other public occasions for thousands of years since time immemorial. Thus they are able to reproduce the earliest names of their uh, primogenitors. According to the Mayo, we all descended from the first man, whose Mayo name translated in English means dirt or earth, which is identical to the meaning of the name Adam, the first man in the Bible. One of Adam's sons is called Seth, while dirt's son, dirt son was called Sethi. The grand and great-grandchildren of Seth are called Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah in Genesis. In Mayo records, they are named Lusagilo, Lama, and Nua, virtually identical names. And Nua was married to a lady called Gabolian. But that's not all. Noah, who survived the great worldwide flood, had three sons called Ham, Shem, and Japheth. In the male record, Nua also had three sons called Lohan, Loshen, and Yefu, each virtually identical with Lo, meaning something like Lel in Chinese, meaning old or venerable one, like Lao Zi, for example, the famous father of Taoism. Even the grandchildren, the children, excuse me, and grandchildren of Noah's three sons are amazingly similar. According to Genesis, Ham had Cush and Mizram, Shem had Elam and Asher, while Japheth had Gomer. According to Mayo record, Lohan had Kusa, and uh, Mesa and Loshen had Elan and Gasher, 
whereas Lefu had Gorman, from whom this particular male tribe claims to have descended. Again, evidence has come to light that Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were real historical people who built a real historical boat and survived a real genuine global flood, no matter what skeptic individuals are saying against it in the name of science falsely so-called, end of quote. Undeniable proof number 395. Genesis chapter 6 makes some very strange statements that have intrigued students of the scriptures for thousands of years. Could these bizarre claims be true? The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, the ghost species. In Genesis 6, the story continues. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, but that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Excuse me. Quite a startling passage, wouldn't you say? You've got fallen sons of God who take human wives, giants, and the offspring of the sons of God and daughters of men becoming mighty men of renown. Do such fantastical statements find support in credible, non-biblical sources? Could these bizarre claims be true? In Noah Webster's 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language, son is defined as a male issue of a parent. One of the definitions in the Oxford English Dictionary under the heading Son of God is a divine being, an angel. Adam was created directly by God and thus had the title Son of God, Luke 3, verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Angels are directly made by the hand of God, thus by definition are sons of God. Keep in mind, Adam had no mother. It is important to note that the Bible speaks of many sons of God, as in Genesis 6 already quoted, and other examples include Job 38, 4 through 7, Job 1, 6, and more. Jesus Christ is not only part of the eternal Godhead, and by him God created all things, but he is also separated from all other sons with this definer, the only begotten Son, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Keep in mind that angels don't die. Luke twenty thirty five and 36. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Even fallen angels do not die, as in final and total oblivion. God is life, and they are forever separated from him, but exist in fully cognizant eternal punishment. Revelation 20, verse 10 speaks of Satan's final judgment, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Jude chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 certainly appear to be addressing the fallen sons of God referred to in Genesis 6. Jude writes, And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. There are two groups of fallen angels. Jude's group are bound by everlasting chains under darkness awaiting judgment. Satan and his devils, on the other hand, are loose upon the earth, but their judgment approaches. Revelations 12, 7 through 12. A quick review. By definition, angels would qualify for the title of sons of God. Two, fallen angels don't die as defined by carnal minds. Three, there are two groups of fallen angels. Are there serious and credible third-party testimonies that will support the fantastical account laid out in Genesis chapter 6? Let's start with giants. Numbers 13.33 And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, of which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we, so excuse me, and so we were in their sight. Are the Bible's approximately two hundred references to giants certified true by third party experts? Do paleontology, archaeology, historical records, and societal accounts all say yes? There can be no reasonable doubt. God said man said has published several features addressing the subject of giants over the past decade or so. The mysterious giants have risen again, but this time under the title of the Nephilim. The word Nephilim is found in the NIV and other minority text translations, but in the majority text authorized King James Version, the word is correctly translated as giants. Yes, there were giants in those days. When discussing giants of old and people of enormous height, many people today lump these two together, referring to such terms as giganticism or acromegaly, a rare disorder of the pituitary gland which causes abnormal size. But the giants of the scriptures were not rare genetic flukes. They were entire populations of giants. If the word of God makes mention of giants so many times, then there should be empirical proof that they did once exist. And of course there is. In Deuteronomy 3.13, Moses speaks concerning the dividing of part of the conquered Canaan amongst the Israelites, excuse me, and it reads, And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh all the region of Argob with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. It was the land of giants. Flavius Josephus, one of the greatest historians of all time, writes the following in chapter 5 of the Antiquities of the Jews. For which reason they removed their camp to Hebron, and when they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. There were till then left the race of giants, who had bodies so large and countenances so entirely different from other men that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike to any credible relations of other men. End of quote. According to the research collected by Deloche, author of the book Giants, you'll find this. Caesar Augustus, 27 B.C. to A.D. 14. 
assigned two giants who towered over ten feet tall to lead the Roman armies into battle. On account of this remarkable height, writes Pliny, the bodies of the two giants were preserved in the tomb and Salus Gardens. Their names were Pusia and Secundula, end of quote. Did fallen sons of God take human wives and sire offspring known as the men of renown? Again, from God said, man said, sons of God and the ghost species. Scientists are perplexed at what they are discovering. Several recent headlines follow. July 25, 2017, com. Ancient humans had sex with non-humans. July 7, 2017, com. This tooth once belonged to a member of a mysterious species of humans that we know almost nothing about. July 21, 2017, Buffalo, AEDU, and saliva clues to a ghost species of ancient human. July 24, 2017, foxnews.com. Scientists find possible clue to ancient ghost species of human. July 2013, National Geographic, the case of the missing ancestor subhead. DNA from a cave in Russia as a mysterious new member to the human family. God destroys the earth and its corrupt inhabitants in the global flood of Noah, but it certainly appears the DNA of the fallen sons of God in Genesis 6 was passed on, not only in the fact of many giants existing after the flood, but now also in the discovery of a mysterious human ghost ancestry. The ages reported in the excerpts that follow are built upon evolution's foundational theory of uniformitarianism, and therefore they're incorrect, but the relevance of the discoveries are real. Again, Genesis 6-4. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. July 25. 27 uh, headline feature in Nets Herald. It says, Ancient humans had sex with non-humans. And here's a few excerpts from that. New research shows that ancient humans had sex with non-human species. According to a study conducted by Omer Gockelman, an assistant professor of biological sciences at the University of Buffalo, ancient humans had intercourse with a ghost species of proto-human. Gockelman found widely different genes in DNA of humans living in sub-Saharan Africa. He believes these genes can be traced back to about 150,000 years ago, when ancient humans were breeding with this mysterious ghost species. This other species is referred to by the scientific community as a ghost species, as there are no known fossils that can be analyzed. God said, man said, note. The fallen angels in Jude 1, verse 6, are presently imprisoned in everlasting chains under darkness. Again, Glockman states, based on our analysis... The most plausible explanation for this extreme variation is archaic introgression, the introduction of genetic material from a ghost species of ancient hominids, end of quote. Here we go again. February 12, 2020. Headline from NPR.org reads, Ghost DNA and West Africans complicate story of human origin. Several excerpts follow. About 50,000 years ago, ancient humans in what is now West Africa, apparently procreated with another group of ancient humans the scientists didn't know existed. 
There aren't any bones or ancient DNA to prove it, but researchers say the evidence is in the genes of modern West Africans. They analyzed genetic material from hundreds of people from Nigeria and Sierra Leone and found signals of what they call ghost DNA from an unknown ancestor. The unusual DNA found in West Africa isn't associated with either Neanderthals or Denisovans. Sierra Sanaram, computer, uh, com- a computational biologist at UCLA, and his study author, Aaron Dubrosola, think it comes from a yet-to-be-discovered group. We don't have a clear identity for this archaic group, Sankaranaman says. That's why we use the team Ghost. So what happened to this mysterious group of ancient humans? Scientists are, aren't totally sure, end of quote. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. God's word is true and righteous altogether, every jot and every tittle. God's beautiful book is the place to build a life that will last forever. If you haven't been born again, click on the Further with Jesus now for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Why are you standing on the outside looking in? Click now and settle it for all eternity. There will never be another day like today. God said, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God said, Genesis 9, 18 and 19. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. God said, Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Man said, They say we're on the verge of living forever, and that's without God in his Bible. I just hope I can... uh, find a great paying job with lots of vacation and benefits. I mean, I'll need a high paycheck if I'm going to live forever in luxury, don't you think? Now you have the record. <laughs>